All right, we're actually going to be talking about gratitude a good bit more today. Uh, I'm going to read uh, the, these three verses in 2 Corinthians 2, and then I'm going to jump over to chapter 4. Thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, like so many, peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I believe, so I spoke. We also believe and so we also spoke, speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, and may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you reveal yourself to us in your word and through your word. God, we pray that we would be attentive to it, that our, that our ears would hear what you are speaking and our eyes would see it. God, make our hearts soft and quick to respond. And God, I pray that you might help me to speak with your word and not against it. Let all my words fall to the ground that do not agree with yours. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. <clears throat> um, we just ended a series in Ecclesiastes, and uh, we will start in our Advent um, season next, next week. And we follow the lectionary uh, during the Advent season for reasons I'll explain uh, next week. And so I had this one week on my schedule is sort of in between, and I hate that. Um, I I don't I really prefer to to go to the beginning of a book and go all the way to the end, and then when I finish that, just do it all over again. And then when I get these spaces where I have to do like a standalone thing, I feel lost, and I feel dangerous because it just can become like, well, what does what does Anthony want to uh, talk about? That uh, is terrifying for me and for you. Um, <laughs> It is Thanksgiving uh, coming up, and I, I had been thinking of, of a number of, number of things around the theme of gratitude. It only occurred to me this morning that we were also thanking volunteers and things like that, so it just kind of worked out. Um, 
in this letter, Paul is uh, writing to defend his ministry in a lot of ways. It's a, it's a theme that is very present and actually a little bit in 1 Corinthians, definitely in 2 Corinthians. Uh, this church in Corinth is just this wild group. They're a bunch of heretics and baby Christians, um, immoral people, uh, people trying to figure out what it means to, to follow Jesus. They're super interested in, in spiritual gifts and what it means. And Paul is, is writing here and is kind of having to follow up on his previous letter. And, and there are more letters that have gone back and forth between them. And uh, he is defending not only his ministry, but apostolic ministry, the ministry of the apostles, and trying to tell them why uh, they should trust that these people bear authority. And in, in both of these passages, he is elaborating on this theme and telling them um, why, one of the reasons why you can trust their ministry is actually not the, the appearance of their, their wisdom or their power, but of their suffering. And so you hear uh, in both of these uh, little sections these images uh, of something being inside of them of value that is being kind of crushed by circumstances so that the rest of the world can see. In, in, in one case, there's a perfume that's being spread out, this aroma, this odor of Christ. And in this other image, there's, there, there are these jars of clay. They're nothing special, jars of Clay, um, our uh, Christian band, obviously, for people of a certain age, but obviously also just containers uh, that are pretty common. We find clay pottery everywhere in the Mediterranean world. They're nothing special, but what's inside is special so that as they're fracturing apart, even in the suffering of their body, the treasure that's inside is, uh, is being revealed. And the purpose of that revealing, Paul says, is the extension of thanksgiving. He says it uh, here in uh, chapter 4, verse 14. It is for all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So Paul is defending his own ministry and the suffering that would, in their eyes, maybe disqualify him. Like maybe if you actually were serving God, you wouldn't be suffering so much. Kind of makes sense on one level. But Paul is saying actually the suffering is a sign that they truly are serving God because it is in their suffering that Christ is being revealed, the fruit of which is the extension of thanksgiving further and further out that God might receive Glory. <clears throat> the practice and the habit of gratitude is an essential or ought to be an essential component of Christian life. In many ways, if you want to make war on the powers and principalities of this age, you, are, you, you will find a, a no better way to do it than the practice of gratitude. The offering of thanks to God is specifically directed against and corrosive to the way that the world is working on and in us in opposition to God. 
In many ways, our world is arranged to provide antidotes to thanksgiving. Because the, the refusal to give God thanks and honor for, for who he is and what he does is right there at the beginning of most of the sin that you will struggle with in your life. I, I would, if you're familiar with the biblical story, we can go all the way back to Genesis 3 and the introduction of sin into the world where the serpent is speaking to Eve and then Eve to her husband and, and they're being offered something that is apparently good, that has been forbidden. And if the response had been one of thanksgiving to what God had given, how much different, differently would the story have gone? But instead, your eyes are drawn, along with our first parents, to what they do not have, what seems to be withheld, and their hearts turn to what they do not have. And they go away from this life of thanksgiving and gratitude and towards what they crave. And this is true probably of your own life as well. If you are here, you are a human being struggling with sin. Whether you know it or not, whether you are actively participating in a struggle or whether you are enslaved to sin, sin is a power in the world and at work in your own life. And your participation in vice, in sinful behavior, is often at its heart a declaration that what you do not have is more desirable than what you do. So, for example, you cannot be uh, involved in a life enslaved to pornography if you have a regular and right relationship of gratitude towards God for what he has given you in your own personal bodily experience and your sexuality right now. It is very difficult to be a person who is trapped and ensnared in a habit and a lifestyle of, of greed. If you already feel that what you have been given is a supreme gift and you have more than enough. Your, your uh, habitual fear and anxiety towards the world that drives you to control, to arrange and to manipulate is, is eroded and undermined if you are able to see all the ways in which God has cared for you and given you good things. So that if you are a person who is habitually giving God thanks for what he has done to care for you, it becomes a lot harder to believe the lie that you ought always to be afraid of what might happen. And we can go all the way down the list. Almost certainly any sin that you can throw out would be fought against, would be undermined, would be pushed back if you and I were people who regularly gave God thanks for who he is and what he does. And this is, this is not revelatory information. I am not a genius. I have not discovered a new way here. This is ordinary Christian practice. If you would consider taking up the, the Christian practice of the examine, of closing your day in prayer, closing your eyes without sleeping, at the end of the day, that may be tough for you. So maybe you do this in the morning. 
But you ask God to help you see the day that you just lived all over again. And ask him, where were you today? And when you begin to review your day and, and see the ways in which you woke up, you breathed. You were alive. And you were warm. And you had the bodily strength to face the day and to get all the way to the end. The friendships that were extended to you or the ability to endure the lack of friendship. The way that even in your grief, the sun still shone on you. And the way that all of creation still sang its song, even while you ignored it. And as you move through the entirety of your day, what you'll find is not that you struggle to find things to give God thanks for. It's you will struggle to properly be able to count and identify all the things that you missed. If you and I would regularly take up this practice of examination of our days, we would find there that God is, is easily thanked, thanked and praised. Now, I don't want you to think that what I'm standing here and, and presenting to you is some blinkered, pie-in-the-sky, happy-go-lucky, power-positive-thinking sort of thing. That, that is not even what these passages are about. Paul is talking in the context of suffering. Paul is bodily suffering, experientially suffering. He is saying that he is a piece of ordinary pottery being cracked and fractured and smashed. And he, is, he, he will list for you all the ways in which he has nearly died, the way that he's been ostracized. This is not somebody who is unfamiliar with suffering. And I am not saying to you that this is chiefly important for your good days. I'm saying that in the worst of your days, this practice becomes more vital than ever. But we also ought to acknowledge in the ordinariness, in, our, in our, our normal ups and downs of our lives, we live in a world designed, built upon an entire economy of discontent. We, we, are, we are pushed, we are battered constantly to meditate on what we do not have. The day that we have set aside on our national calendar for Thanksgiving is mostly driven towards the bottom line of most businesses. Businesses were emailing me several weeks ago preparing me to buy what I do not have and what I think I need that I didn't even know existed minutes before, but now I desperately crave that is the world that we live in. And if you think that you are immune or impervious to that, you are deluded. You and I are people constantly being buffeted by the message that you do not have enough. And that if you could just have X, Y, or Z, then you would be all right. But let me spoil the race for you. When you get to X, Y, and Z, 
products A, B, and C will be waiting for you that you do not have. That is how consumerism works. It is how the enemy works. It is corrosive. It is destructive. And it is the opposite of what Paul says is the goal, which is the extension of thanksgiving to the glory of God. And that does not mean that you are not suffering. It does not mean that you don't struggle. It doesn't mean that you aren't truly lacking things that you're needing. It's saying that even us who might suffer or lack, we still have so many things to be grateful to God for. And it changes everything to live a life in which that becomes the mark of who we are. I'm just going to jump straight to the end of the long list of things that you ought to be grateful for, that we ought to regularly give thanks to. Paul says that there's treasure in the jars of clay. That there is, is perfume about him, expensive perfume in this container that's being crushed open. The thing that is the treasure is the dwelling of God's own life in his people. It is the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, in, in rooms like ours, middle class, mostly white Presbyterian churches, people mention the Holy Spirit and, and people grab the edges of their seat. Oh, no. What is he going to say? What are, can we even talk about the Holy Spirit? Is that allowed? Let me, let, let me read something from Jesus and see if, he clear, if this will clear the room for us. Jesus says, this is from Luke 11, I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? To those who ask him. We are a Trinitarian people. We worship the God who is one and three, three and one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The beautiful aroma of Christ's own life inside the believer is the Holy Spirit. When Paul describes the fact that you carry about in your bodies the death of Jesus, that the life of Jesus, he says, might grow and manifest itself in us, the life of Jesus is his spirit, the Holy Spirit. You cannot live and talk about a Christian life full of gratitude that persists and endures in suffering without looking at and talking about the Holy Spirit because the very Spirit of God himself lives inside human beings. It is the audacity of the gospel that Paul talks about in the book of Colossians. He says this is the mystery that's been hidden for ages, but now you know and has been revealed in you. It is Christ in you. 
the hope of glory. This is the thing that changes the whole story of human history. It is the Holy Spirit filling and refilling and overfilling His people. And in life in and with the Holy Spirit changes everything, including a life that experiences the pressures and the fracturing and the suffering of this world. Paul says it is the things that are visible, that are transient, that are passing away. It is the things that are invisible, that are eternal. It is the eternal God living and dwelling within you that changes everything forever. It changes the nature of your suffering and the nature of your living. It changes the nature of your dying. It changes the nature of all your pleasures and all the pleasures that you do not have. Everything revolves around this truth that Christ is in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is not something to be passed over. It is the fuel for all of our thanksgiving every single day of our lives. And if we are people who are wrestling with sin, ensnared in sin, crushed by suffering, this gratitude for what God has done in the miracle of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit changes everything. It is the antidote. If you are somebody who struggles repeatedly with anger, if your heart and mind instinctively is, is taught to instinctively turn and give God thanks that he dwells with you in this moment, this God of patience and kindness. Where does anger go? Or whom can you trust your anger? If you are somebody who is possessed and in the grips of bitterness and unforgiveness, if, if your heart turns to the God who has forgiven you generously, freely, and now lives with you in your life, all of the wrongs done to you, you can entrust those to him and be set free. If you are, are somebody in the snare of sin, of, of greed, of sexual sin, of all kinds of sin, but you understand that the God who made all things in his generosity bestows more and more upon you every day that you're alive is also living inside of you, that his Holy Spirit is in tabernacled inside of your own flesh. Freedom is available to you. Everything changes, Paul says, when you are not just an empty clay pot trying to fill it with things that will rot away from the inside. But instead, you have the irreplaceable, irreducible, unchangeable treasure of this good news inside of you. Can we talk about the Holy Spirit? We must talk about the Holy Spirit. He is the great inheritance of the church. He is the, the spirit of the living God. He's the only way the Christian life makes sense. And he is the one who makes us profoundly grateful and able to see what we so often delude ourselves and blind ourselves to throughout our daily lives. In the best of times, it is the Holy Spirit who reminds us that what God has provided in Christ is better than even these very good circumstances. 
And in the worst of our lives, he is the one that assures us that we are united to God in Christ so that even now while we might suffer in our body and face our very own death, we are still secured and anchored in an inheritance that cannot be ripped away. Gratitude is not just a good habit. It is not just a hallmark value. It is not just a thing that you do around your table maybe once a year. It is meant to be the extension of God's glory throughout all of the earth as we erupt and over, overflow of thanks for what he has done. If you are here today and you know that you have been buffeted, bruised, and battered, you have despaired over your sin, you have despaired over the life that has happened to you, the things that have been done to you. My, my extension to you, my offering to you is, is not a, a technique. It is not a product. It is the living God. I do not know how he will work out your full deliverance and final healing. But I know that the giving of the Holy Spirit is the promise that he will surely never let you go. Never. And one day you will see him face to face when the eternal becomes visible. The transient has passed away. And you will be free. You'll be free from sin. And you will be healed in your body, in your mind, in your spirit. If you have been overwhelmed with what you do not see, take heart. The Spirit of God is with you and for you. And if you are in a place where you are saying, I know that, I know I'm a Christian, I know these things, I need more of that. Let me remind you again what Jesus says to you. If you would ask the Father, do you not know that he being good will give you this gift? Yes, but I've already received that. I already knew a long time ago. Do you think that the Holy Spirit is a little box that you can receive one time because it's a gift so small? If you are saying, I've had the gift, but I know that I am empty and dry, I need more of the Holy Spirit. Guess what? He is the eternal and infinite God. There is always more. Ask the Father. If you are here today and you are facing a life consumed by what you do not have, gratitude is a thing that you try really, really hard to be a good person in practice. And ultimately what you realize is you do not know this treasure. The treasure of the gospel has not been put inside of you. Whether you're a church person who's done this a long time and never actually personally responded to this offer, whether you've come in here for the first time in a long time or you've come in here for the first time, period. If you're anywhere along that spectrum and you realize you have never, ever received what God has extended to you time and again, today is your day. There is not another day. There is not another moment. 
There is now. There is here. And it is for you. That is not a threat. That is just descriptively true. That this moment is for you. Respond to the gospel. And receive into your own life the wealth and the treasures of who he is. We are here today to meet Jesus. And for that, we are profoundly grateful. People of God in Christ Jesus and in his life in and with and through the church, he is extending the news of his glory by turning people like me, ungrateful, selfish, self-obsessed people, into people who can say, God is so much better than I could ever tell you and give thanks for. He is transforming my life and yours by the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit. And through us and in us, may that word pass through all this valley, through this region, and to the ends of the earth. So that the whole of the earth is covered by the glory of God as the waters are covered by the seas. God is bringing himself glory in the thanks of his people. So participate in what he has done and come close to Jesus to receive all that he has for you. Let me pray for us. Lord God, we give you thanks. We don't as much as we should. We know it. We are by habit an ungrateful people. And yet, it is people like us that you have pledged yourself to and chosen to love. Oh, we're so thankful. God, we pray today that we might receive again and again and again the immensity, the infinitude of your gift, which is yourself. Father, I pray for those who are worn down by sin, sin that they have done time and again, sin that has been done to them time and again, for those who suffer under the, the weight of their own choices and those who suffer under the weight of the choices of people who have done things to them. And God, I pray that they would be renewed in you, that the Holy Spirit would remind them in their mind and in their heart of the treasures of the gospel. And Father, I pray for those who have never known you, who have been around you maybe, who have seen, who have heard from others, but today are personally confronted with the fact that that treasure has not been placed inside of them. And Father, I, t I pray that today there'd be a willingness to receive an openness to bring home the treasure of who you are inside of their own life. And God, I pray that they would feel that vacuousness of consuming more, more things, more honors, more experiences, and instead would receive the fullness, the overflowing fullness of who you are. Jesus, you are the treasure that we have longed for, and in you there is more than enough. I pray that we would delight in you and that our life would more and more be experientially united with the life of the Holy Spirit as we give you thanks and praise 
for all that you have done, are doing, and will surely do, even until the end of the age, when death dies and life is all that there is, when the transient is gone and the eternal is before our face for all time. We thank you and trust you, Lord Jesus, and give you thanks. Amen.